You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. change the past. You can't change the failure, but what you can do is correct the future. You can turn. You can turn and you can move forward in repentance and in commitment. And instead of suffering in the future for stupidity, you can suffer for the will of God. You can suffer by saying no to the thing that took you down. God doesn't want us to suffer for the sake of suffering. He allows suffering to mature us, to grow us closer to Him, and to produce in us perseverance, which helps us finish this race we call life. When we suffer well for His sake, He's blessed, we're strengthened, and a bright beacon of hope shines on Jesus Christ. Others will see Jesus in you and will want what you have. In today's message, Pastor Danny encourages you to go forward from here in repentance. Are you living for Jesus or living for this world? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he continues his message, Suffering and Stupidity. Here's an excerpt. You are now going to burn a goose, but in a century you will have a swan. You can neither roast nor boil. That would be prophetic, little to his knowledge, of Martin Luther. Martin Luther referred to himself as the swan that Huss had prophesied about. Listen to this. Lutheran art frequently portrays Martin Luther with a swan. On trial before the highest officials of the church and state, Martin Luther was asked to renounce his views once again. On the first day, he was so overwhelmed by the immensity of what he was doing, standing before these great men, that he asked if he could go away and spend the night in prayer. They allowed him to. He spent the night in prayer. We have recorded excerpts from his prayer. How frail and sensitive is the flesh of men, and the devil so powerful and active through his apostles and the wives of the world. O thou, my God, my God, help me against the reason and wisdom of all the world. Do this. Thou must do it. Thou alone, for this cause is not mine but thine. For myself, I have no business here, with these great lords of the world. Indeed, I too desire to enjoy days of peace and quiet and be undisturbed. But thine, O Lord, is this cause, and it is righteous and of eternal importance. 
Stand by me, thou faithful, eternal God. I rely on no man. O God, stand by me in the name of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, who shall be my protector and defender, yea, my mighty fortress, through the might and strengthening of thy Holy Spirit. The next day, he stood before the court. And here's what he said. Since then, your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply, I will answer without horns and without teeth. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. You think at that point, the band struck up, lightning fell from heaven, Jesus appeared and says, way to go, Martin. <laughs> His writings were banned. He was declared a convicted heretic and probably would have suffered the same fate as John Huss, except for some loving friends that literally kidnapped him and took him into protected seclusion. And in that seclusion, Martin Luther translated the New Testament into the German language, giving the ordinary people the opportunity to read God's Word for themselves. I put in my notes, we need men and women with the spiritual courage to persevere in suffering in the will of God. But believers with this kind of fortitude are a rare breed. Unfortunately, you find in the church a lack of courage, but you also find a lack of commitment. Let's go to the other side of the coin from our text. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or as a meddler, he's talking to Christians. Why would he say that? Am I suffering in the will of God or am I suffering from my own foolishness? Now, let me tell you, I'm not standing here, and I try never to stand here on a self-righteous platform. <laughs> we all come to Jesus the same way. We all got the same challenges, and we all got the same weaknesses. And let me tell you what, I know what it is. I know what it is to be foolish. I know what it is to be foolish as, as a husband. I know what it is to be foolish as a father. I know what it is to be foolish as a pastor. Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for a God who loves his children so much that when you act foolishly, he looks to correct. He looks to correct. And the way it starts is he speaks to you. He speaks to you. He convicts you. Here's what the proverb says. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Boy, you can't get more direct than that, can you? You shun what God's trying to change in your life. You shun the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You get the spanking and go away and say, well, it hurt, but I'm going to live like hell anyway. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what they say. And some people are so foolish, there's a scripture, there's a proverb that says, you grind a fool in mortar. And sometimes you hit the wall and you just go, they get right back up and they go right back to it. And you go, are you stupid? 
And they won't say it, but they are. And sometimes we won't say it, but we are. And if you keep going the same direction, you're headed for trouble. Four things are listed. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer. Do we really need to spend time on that? Well, well we do. Why? Because it's absolutely possible for you to be truly born again and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and commit murder. King David did. But what led to the murder was sexual sin. You know, he... He goes out, it's a, it's a time when kings should be off to war. He decides to take a break. If you read the story, kings went off to war in the spring. David took a break. It was spring break. Got in trouble. Goes out on his balcony, sees Bathsheba, sends for her, sleeps with her. One night stands, she gets pregnant. He tries to cover it up. Uriah, the Hittite, is her husband, He's one of David's mighty men. He's on the battlefield where David should have been. David sends for him, brings him to the palace, feeds him a good meal, gives him wine, thinking he'll go home, sleep with his wife. Nobody will know it's my kid, think it's his kid. But he doesn't, he doesn't know the integrity of Uriah the Hittite because Uriah the Hittite, even though he would have the freedom because the kings brought him off the field to give him a leave, you know, a break, he could have freely gone home and been with his wife, but he chose not to because his compatriots, his brothers, they're out on the battlefield. They're away from their wives. And so he thinks, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And he goes and he sleeps outside the palace. Next day, one of David's servants says, you know, Uriah didn't go home last night. He slept outside the palace. What? David invites him back over to the palace, feeds him another great meal, and makes sure this time he gets him drunk. And he thinks, surely now that he's drunk, he's going to go home and sleep with his wife. But he doesn't go home and sleep with his wife. And now David writes an order to his general Joab, sends Uriah back to the field. And the order is, when the battle is intense, you put Uriah up on the front lines. And when he's up on the front lines and the battle is heated, you pull the other men back. Second Samuel records God's judgment because he loved David. David is gone now, and he thinks, <laughs> he thinks everything's fine. He got Bathsheba now to be his wife after a brief mourning, after Uriah the Hittite, her husband is dead. But God hasn't forgotten. God sends a man named Nathan. He's a prophet, and he stands before David, and he tells him about a guy in the kingdom that's taken advantage of someone so terribly and David burns with anger. This man deserved to die, and he got to pay back what he did wrong. And, and Nathan, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, said to David, you're the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you. Your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you more. Did you catch that? I would have given you more. But you've messed up your future. He didn't lose his salvation. God will tell him later, I forgive you. I would have given you more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your 
house. I don't understand all the mystery of it, but what happened in David's family, you read the rest of his life and his story. One of his sons murdered another of his sons, his half-brother, after raping his sister. And for the rest of David's life, his family was filled with turmoil and pain, and he lost blessing that he could have had. He was forgiven for his sin, but his sin affected the rest of his life. And while his sons and the rest of his family had to answer for their personal decisions, as mysterious as it is, David's failure affected them. Didn't have to happen. How foolish. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief. Some of my family was talking about last night about situations in churches, and we've been pastoring a long time, and I've been through a lot, and I've been around other pastors and local pastors and churches, and I'll tell you, one of the, God help us, don't, don't touch the money. Don't touch, don't touch God's money. Whether you touch God's money in the church or whether you're not honest with your taxes, what a tragedy in the early church, in the early church. Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, the early church, great Bible teaching, miracles happening, church growing exponentially. Why would they do it? Why in the world would they do it? Some people are led by the Lord to sell a piece of land they don't read, really need, and they come and give the money to the church, and that the apostles were distributing anybody who had need. And no, for that period of time in the church, nobody had any need because they were getting it met because of the grace and the mercy of God's people. So why would Ananias and Sapphira do it? Why would they do it? They sell a piece of land. Holy Spirit tells them, sell the piece of land, take the money, give it to the church. But in between the sale and giving it to the church, they said, we don't have to give it all. We don't have to give it all. Even though God told them to give it all, they kept back part of it. And one by one, they come into Peter's office, and Peter says, is this what you sold the land for? And they both lie. Peter says, you haven't lied to men. You've lied to God. God took their lives. It's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. Don't you play Russian roulette with God. You'll lose every time. You will lose. You may be sure your sin will find you out. It's better to come clean now than hit the wall. Land of promise. First stop is Jericho. God says, don't take any of the things of Jericho. That goes into my house. First fruits always belong to the Lord. But Achan and his whole family, with his whole family's knowledge, took some of it, hid it in their tent. The call goes out. They're sent in the camp because they go to Ai, the next stop, and they get a whooping. God says there's sin in the camp. You've got to deal with it or you won't go on in victory. Okay, who is it? Who's done it? And Achan spins that wheel, and you're going to lose every time. And it goes down to his tribe, and he still stays silent. It goes down to his clan, he still stays silent. It goes down to his family. His knees are knocking a little bit now, but he still doesn't come clean. And finally, God pegs him, and he says, give glory to God. In other words, you're caught, dude. You're caught. It cost him his whole family. It cost him their lives. A murderer, a thief, or any other kind of criminal. Any other kind of criminal. Well, that kind of, that's kind of a broad one, isn't it? Why? I just don't get it. 
Why would you go back to the old things? I've seen people delivered from drugs and they commit their lives to Christ. And then, unbeknownst to us, for sometimes years, they've been places they shouldn't have been. And they're doing the drugs again, but they're keeping it, they're keeping it hidden. Well, you're keeping it hidden from the pastor. You're keeping it hidden from the church. But you're not keeping it hidden from God. Samson, one of the greatest figures of the Old Testament, he was a man who 20 years, God, God's power was on his life. He did great things. He defeated the enemy left and right. But he had hidden sin in his life. And for 20 years, 20 years, God continued to use him. But there is a, there is a point where God says, right, that's enough. You're not going to come clean. You're not going to repent. You're going to keep going. And Samson hit a wall. And it says he went out and he thought God's power beat on him just like before, and he didn't realize the Lord had left him. You know one of the things he did? You read the story of Samson and you go, what? Really? Samson, what are you thinking? Didn't work out. It, it, you know, his first marriage, it, it didn't work out. And he got so angry and he went away and he, he so starved for love. He hires a prostitute. Samson, great man of God. There was a guy in the church years ago, and he was very involved, but he was single, and he was lonely, and he was getting open age, and, and I love this guy. And we tried to minister to him, but I knew he was lonely. But he was, he was volunteering, and he was at meetings and stuff. And then one day he called me, and he said, I need to meet with you, Pastor Danny. And we sat down, and I was not ready for what he had to say to me. And with tears welling up in his eyes, he said, Pastor Danny, I've been hiring prostitutes. And I was floored. I, my jaw physically didn't drop, but everything in me, I'm like, what? What? And the reason for his meeting with me and confessing is the night before he got caught right out here in a sting operation. And the woman he was trying to buy a relationship from was a St. Pete police officer. And I'm like, what, what are you doing? What are, you, are you stupid? And then you go, yeah. I had a love affair with beer and wine, but everybody knows, most of you know that. If you don't know that, I had a love affair with beer and wine. It was stupid. It was stupid. And I'm going to Jesus, and I'm also going to the bottle. It was stupid. But I'm telling you, I've seen people now that know my testimony, you can't believe how many people have come to me. And wives, pray, would you pray for my husband? He has a problem. Sometimes it's, would you pray for my wife? She has a problem. And I don't know what it is to be stupid, but I know what it is. I know what it is. Listen, Samson, thank God when he put his hands on those two pillars and he said, go oh God, one more time, give me strength against the enemy. And he pushed and God came down. And it says he slew more in his death than he did in his life. You can't change the past. You can't change the failure. But what you can do is correct the future. You can turn. You can turn. And you can move forward in repentance and in commitment. And instead of suffering in the future for stupidity, you can suffer for the will of God. You can suffer by saying no 
to the thing that took you down. You can suffer by putting your life on the line. Don't say it. But here's how it goes. I am stupid, but I don't want to stay stupid. In just a moment, we're going to all say this together. Now, why are we going to all say it together? Because if just the ones that need to say it today say it, we're going to look at them and go, what? Really? You? What is it? Inquiring minds want to know. There are things in your life, the direction you're going, and it may be that nobody else knows it. Your mom doesn't know it. Your dad doesn't know it. Your family doesn't know it. Pastor doesn't know it. Church doesn't know it. But you know it. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. But you know, you know, you need to repent. You need to turn. It's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. God wants to bring correction into your life. God wants to turn you for your sake, for your sake, and for your future. You don't have to end up like David did. David was forgiven. Anybody can be forgiven. But David, if he could go back, he'd never, he would never have sent for Bathsheba. He would never have done it. He would have never had her husband killed. He would not have done it. Because the years and years and years of pain in his life and in his family's life, he would have never have done it. He couldn't go back and change the past. He was forgiven. But it, listen, you can learn from his life. The time to turn is now. When you feel the conviction. Now, some of you are already at this point, and you didn't even realize it. Something's happening in your life, and now you realize it. Well, I wonder if that's God spanking me. Yep. You might even be at the point, you like, you hit the wall. Whatever point you're at, listen, you're saying, you're saying, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. But I don't want to stay stupid. So we're going to all say it together, but some are actually confessing it. You're confessing it. You ready? One. Two, three, say it loud. I'm stupid, but I don't want to stay stupid. One more time. I am stupid, but I don't want to stay stupid. A great theologian once said, stupid is as stupid does. I have a plaque. It used to be on my desk. I don't have a desk now. It's wonderful. But people come in, and on the front it says, it is what it is. It is what it is. Okay. So you imagine there's the front side. You come into my office, you sit down for counseling. It is what it is. And sometimes I have to turn it around. On the other side, on the other side, here's what it says. Stupid is as stupid does. And if you really meant what you said, I'm stupid, but I don't want to stay stupid, and you needed to confess something, and you're willing now, you're saying, I'm going to turn from it. I'm going to stop it. Your life is going to show it. Don't merely listen to the word. No, do what it says. So if you're really confessing and repenting, your life is going to be different. Some of us need to give up the drugs. Sometimes it's illegal drugs, and just because it's legal don't mean it's what you should be doing. Some of us need to give up the alcohol because it's getting way too frequent. And let me tell you, I know what that's like. And what happens from what happened with me, I began to hide it. One glass of wine with my wife, two more by myself. And it's so subtle. And all of a sudden, it just grabs you. A man is a slave to whatever's mastered him. And I was a slave. I was a slave. 
I'm telling you today, I'm free. I was stupid. I'm not stupid anymore. Stupid is as stupid does. We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join us in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? Prayer is such a powerful tool against the enemy, and there's much to pray about during these days of speculation, doubt, and fear. Perhaps there's a listener who's really wrestling with all of the uncertainties, and your prayers could be a way to minister to their heart and mind, renewing their faith along the way. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. We're reminded in these New Testament books that God came to earth as a man, just like us, and suffered in ways that we might be suffering currently. But He came to redeem each one of us, and that gives hope beyond what's happening in front of you. Thanks for praying. With that, we've come to the end of our time today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued teaching through this series called New Testament Highlights. We hope you'll tune in again, right here on The Living Word.